Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Director Julie Simone grew up on a farm in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. While living between Los Angeles and New York, Julie joined a guerrilla-style filmmaking group where she wrote, directed, and acted in multiple short films. Fiddlin is Julie's feature doctoral debut. It's an award-winning music documentary about multi-generational musicians who are fiercely determined to keep old-time and bluegrass music alive. Vicki Vlasic is a producer and sister to Julie and a first-time filmmaker who brings her skills in communications, marketing, strategic planning, creative fundraising, and organization to the team. Vicki's previous experience has been primarily in the nonprofit world. She's created numerous events and nonprofit organizations and fundraisers in her 25-year career, utilizing team-building strategies, social media platforms, and creative thinking. And Carol, I understand that Julie and Vicki are sponsored by From the Heart Productions. That's right, Claire. We had the pleasure to work with them on this brilliant film. So thank you both, Julie and Vicki, for joining us. Thanks so much, Carol. It's really great to be here. Um, I, and I wanted to start off by thanking From the Heart Productions for coming on as our fiscal sponsor because it really did make the difference in getting our film made and over the finish line. Wow, thank you for the kind words because we were all thrilled. We just loved working with your film. It's so exciting. So we have a lot to cover today. We want to know how you won 17 awards on your first film. That's incredible. And we want to learn about your success from your film funding techniques, uh, plus your brilliant marketing strategies. So let's start at the beginning, and that would be what convinced you to make this film, Julie. That's a big jump to go from producing, directing, acting, and shorts to a whole feature. (laughs) Well, yeah, it really is, but um, it's something that I really wanted to do for several years. Vicki and I grew up in uh, the Appalachian Mountains, and as kids, we had gone to this Fiddler's Convention every year, and at that time, we went there to listen to the music and to flat foot. Uh, flat footing is a form of dancing and, and basically just to hang out with our friends and have fun. And when we went then, it was mostly older people who were playing the music. But when we returned as adults, there were just hundreds of kids who were playing instruments and they were carrying these instruments around instead of cell phones and they were jamming with their elders and Everyone was just connecting through the music, and it was really exciting. And I just thought this this Fiddler's Convention, which is known as the world's oldest and largest, it's been around for so many years, and there's now all these kids uh, mixing and playing with the adults, and I thought it would make an interesting documentary. And 
the 80th anniversary was coming up and Vicki called me and she's like, you know, if we're going to do this film, we should do it now because this coming summer is the 80th anniversary. That was in May and we started shooting in August. Wow. That's I'll chime in just a little on this too, that, you know, I think because we had lived away from the Appalachians for so long, um, we knew that the culture and traditions that were there were something that, you know, most of the people that we knew living myself here in Michigan and Julie in Los Angeles were things that, you know, other people we knew had no idea even existed. And, and most of what we had seen for years in the media about this area was focused on the negative stereotypes. And, and we felt it really didn't accurately represent the true nature of the people that we've grown up with. Well, you're so right. I have to agree with you. There are a lot of uh, docs that I've seen about cutting down mountains and mist, you know, poisoning water and all of the things that are go go on uh, in that whole area. Uh, but we don't know who the people are. So um, the music in this film is just incredible. Um, it's like a major historical document to capture all of this. I'm just very impressed. So the idea was the kid, when you saw the children working with the adults, you figured that would be a really good story. Um, what I, what I in, found when I watched your uh, trailer and other things was that the kids were dancing at five, six, seven years old. They already are into not only... <laughs> playing the music but dancing to it right oh, that's yeah, so absolutely. true well and you'll I feel see like even three-year-olds at times oh yeah go ahead julie yeah no i mean it's just i think the music really connects the people whether it's through the dancing or the playing or just being there you don't even have to play an instrument to have a good time i mean there's something about people coming together and hearing music playing music listening to music that connects them in a way that that's really incredible and there, there's this great mentorship too that was going on which was something that was really inspiring to vicky and i and another reason that we wanted to make the film because it's not that often now that you see traditions and culture being passed down through different generations, and it's like taking a step back in time. Because the older fiddlers are teaching the younger ones? Yeah, yes, that's right, Carolyn. Amazing. And they've even uh, created this new uh, program called JAM, Junior Appalachian Musicians, where they're, they now offer it as an after-school program, and it started in one little school in the mountains in North Carolina, and it's now in 40 or 50 schools across four states. And um, and so they, they're really taking it very seriously and very much to heart that they want to keep their traditions and their music alive. Great. That is brilliant. Well, um, it, how did the fiddlers react when you started asking them to participate in your film? <laughs> Well, I, Vicki and I, because we're locals, um, and we uh, we actually had to get permission from the Moose Lodge, who had run this Fiddler's Convention for 80 years. And once they realized that we were from the area and that everyone knew our grandpa, who had run the local store, that instilled a trust in the musicians uh, when they started hearing that we were going to be shooting and, and looking for talent to be a part of the film. So uh, 
once they knew we were locals and that we were going to show them in a positive light like they should be shown, uh, they were they were excited to to be a part of our film. I I think wouldn't you say, Vicky? Yeah, and actually, once word got out, I, you know, some of the musicians even started inviting us into their homes and inviting other musicians to come and play. And people would come and grab us at the Fiddler's Convention at the campground and say, oh, you've got to go meet, you know, this particular musician or you've got to go see Jake Crack play um, the Star Spangled Banner on stage. And so people made sure that we met, you know, all the right musicians. And but having that that local connection, like Julie said, is what really um made them trust in us. I think they, they knew that we would be respectful of, of them and of their um, abilities, and we would show them in a, in a true light. Um, I think that was something that was really important in getting the oh. film made. Sure, sure, that you're one of them. Well, Claire, why don't you play the clip from uh, Fidlin so that our audience can hear uh, the energy of this film. It's in the clip. Okay, I will get that rolling. Old time music. It's been in these mountains here forever. Contests are huge. To the hardcore ones, it's right to Super Bowl. Getting an ulcer for a fiddle contest might be a little crazy. Wow, that's such exciting music. So I'd like to know, let's go into what you may have learned at the screenings, because if you've won 17 awards at film film festivals, you've had a lot of feedback from your audience. So tell us about your audience. Well, one of the things, um, yeah, I'll start off with that, but one of the uh, interesting things is the very first film festival and this this i will lead into about learning about an audience the first film festival we went to carol was in san luis obispo and we had started submitting for um, some of the festivals when we had a rough cut and we were not at all ready and we got into that festival and basically had two weeks to finish our film so we had not had any sort of test audience, and literally the editor and I were working 20 hours a day trying to get this film into shape to be able to present it at our first festival. And uh, so we had no idea about what the audience reaction was going to be. And I, I, I think both Vicki and I had some sleepless nights before getting there because just the, the unknown. And... The first screening, we ended up uh, completely selling out, and they had to put us in an additional theater, which was also full. And then it became uh, sort of what they called the hit of the festival, the unexpected hit, and they kept adding screenings to, to, uh, uh, to accommodate more people. And the audiences there were super engaged, and it was an older audience. I would say people that were, I don't know, 50 and up. 
Uh-huh. And they were the ones that if the word of mouth started spreading and that they, and they really, really loved the film, something in it resonated with them in a very big way. And it was interesting because that sort of continued to happen at all of the festivals that we went to. We realized even though there's a, it, it's a family film, it's for, it's for all ages, but the older people really, really, um, for whatever reason, got something from the film that touched them in a very big way. And I think part of that is that it takes them, you know, for a lot of them, it took them back to their own childhoods. It reminded them of maybe their grandparents who used to play a musical instrument. And the thing that that we would hear, even though our initial audiences um, were sort of an older generation, and I think oftentimes that's the people who have, you know, the freedom, especially to go to um, movies during the day and, and at a lot of these film festivals, but they would come out and they would say, oh, my gosh, I have to bring my grandkids to see this movie. And, you know, or I, I really wish, you know, my son had been here today to see this movie. And so um, while it's really resonating with the older generations, I think, because it does take them back, um, it's something that they are, have also been really enthusiastic about sharing um, with people of all ages. And we're seeing that happening more now that, you know, people are now that it's available um, more widely, people are, you know, using it as a a way to have like a family screening at home and showing it to the entire family. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. And and the other thing, yeah, the other thing, too, I think even with some of these younger people that would come to the screening, they would say, I I really didn't think I was going to enjoy this movie because I'm, I, I'm, I'm not that familiar with old time music or bluegrass music, but really there's something in it for all ages. Um, and so it, they would then younger people would say, Oh, my grandparents would love this or my parents would love this. So what we, I guess what we found was that it was kind of a family movie, but then there's also sort of a character in the film that everyone can kind of relate to, whether you're young or old, because uh, we cover a lot of ground as far as what we included in the film. Uh, Vicki was talking about the jam program earlier, but we also have a woman who talks about how how the music saved her life um, after taking medication for years for, for a mental illness. And we have um, the, the multi-generations playing together and, uh, the LBGTQ community uh, as part of the film. And, and we touch on a lot of different things because we wanted the film to be for everyone. And it is, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't recall any generation not liking the movie, but I, I do feel like it with, with the older uh, people, it, it, for them, uh, there was something special in it. There's something about music that unites all of us. When I was in South Africa, they told me that it was the music that got them through apartheid. Um, and in watching uh, Alive Inside and other films like that where they talk about the effect of music on the body, it's amazing because the, I have seen in that Alive Inside where it brought people out of depression and even brought people back who had been comatose, who weren't talking at all, by taking them back into a, 
of 30, 40 years back with the music of their day when they were in their 20s, mm-hmm. it brought back all those memories they had associated with the music, and they wanted to talk about it. So it, right. uh, it's a wonderful thing that you've given us. Uh, so, But tell us what you think you did in production. What's so magic in that film that people love it and that you sold out all those screenings? <laughs> Well, um, I, you know, I think, first of all, when we were shooting this film, there was this friendly collaboration that was going on during the entire shoot because our whole family pitched in as crew with our kids, nieces, and nephews helping oh. film. Our mom, Yeah, our mom cooked for the crew. Our dad set up camp. Um, we did hire a local DP and sound guy. Um, from North Carolina so that the talent would fill at ease with people who were from the area. But, um, I mean, it was, it was a real kind of community effort. And one thing that uh, a lot of people who've seen the film have mentioned is that they felt the musicians were very relaxed in, in the way that they were answering questions and talking. And, and it, it's because they had a trust in us. So it, it almost feels like they're in your living room. And because of that trust, they opened up their hearts and they told their stories in a way that I think was just real and authentic. Um, Secondly, you know, we did shoot a lot of footage, so we had a lot to choose from. And Mm -hmm. with the documentary, you think you you have this idea of what the story might be or you want it to be, but it's going to change and evolve while you're shooting. And you kind of have to be open to that and go with the flow. Um, right. And before we would do interviews with the musicians, um, I would come up with a list of questions, and depending on where the answers would go, these questions would change. But I would always leave space in between questions for the unexpected. As I, I think some of the more interesting things that, that are said sometimes by talent is, is during those pauses um, and just you know, having that freedom to say something that that maybe you didn't even ask them. And I would also at the end say, is there anything you want to add or tell me and just wait, wait to see what they would say. And some of the more interesting interviews were what they just said on the fly. Yes. Um, you know, I think that the people, yeah, the people were so, are so likable in the film and I, when you look around, at, you know, sitting in an audience, you see smiles on all these people's faces. And, and, and the audience has come out after screenings and said that they felt like they were now friends with these people. And I think that's one of the reasons they do like it so much and that it, you know, it, it just touches people in a very special way. And I think part of that was, you know, like Julie was saying, just, you know, that they were comfortable with us and they trusted us and, um, and that came across on film. Well, how did you, who edited this? Because, I mean, having that much footage and I understand mm-hmm. the access and the community getting behind you. So obviously you've picked up all that love and support in the film, but that's then leaves it up to the editor to deliver a good piece. And obviously he did or she did. So who mm-hmm. who edited this? Yes, we we had an incredible editor, uh, Janice Hampton, who had just come off from editing for The Love of Spock, um, 
the Leonard Nimoy documentary. And uh-huh. we had had an early, uh, earlier editor come on, a guy who, who was talented, but it, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't coming together like we wanted it to. And um, so a producer that we have, uh, Jill Mazursky, she went to this Fox screening, and I had said to her, I really want to find a, a new editor, and I'd love to get a female because we had, we had a whole female sort of team going. And she called me the next day, Jill did, and said, I met this woman, Janice uh, Hampton, and I really think we should meet her. And Janice saw our rough footage and what we had, and she said, I love this, and I'd like to come in. And she's an amazing editor, and she spent a lot of time going through the footage, and um, it it did, did an incredible job. An editor is so important. And she really mm-hmm. had the same vision as Vicki and I with wanting to make this an uplifting film and to show the, the beauty of the place, the people, and the music in a positive light. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, that you really added uh, uh, the right person then. That's what it's all about. It's, it's the energies of all of you working together as a team, and that's what's coming over uh, is the unit, the unity and love and support is what's coming out mm-hmm. of the trailer. But well, you got you. some very yeah, thank, oh you're welcome. It's it's <laughs> rare to get that much joy and love in a trailer. Um, but we have to. I want to go over to the money side now for a minute because I think you've done so well in going after donations and getting some very nice generous donations. Uh, and, and I'm wondering how you did that since this is your first time as a full feature director, producer, and you're all new mm-hmm. to this industry. Sometimes that, that makes people afraid. So how have you overcome all the fears? <laughs> well, that, that, that is true. I think, um, you know, one of the things that helped is we did put together um, just a, a short DVD of character clips, which showed some of the people that we had interviewed. And, of course, we hadn't begun editing or anything yet, but but we did have a little something that we could show people. And um, I initially uh, just wrote a letter and sent those character clips to probably 30 or 40 um, people that I knew, people who were friends who had supported me during my, you know, nonprofit years that I thought, you know, might be willing to just help us out and to help us get started. And, um, and that went pretty well. Um, we, from there, we did a Kickstarter campaign. And, um, and again, that was, you know, it was a way to, to show people a little bit of what we were doing. And the great thing about the Kickstarter is that it allows you to engage with the people who do support you. And so you can continue to give them updates over time and we didn't even know about From the Heart when we first started. So next time we'll know <laughs> to start there. Okay. Um, but we, we did well enough in the early months um, to, to at least to keep going. And, you know, once we, we got back um, with all the footage that we had and Julie and I sat down and we watched more than 100 hours of footage and we realized that what we had was really special. And that we had to, we had to do it right, and we knew that that was going to take more money. And um, and so we, you know, we kind of continued to plug away. We um, signed on with From the Heart Productions, which was, 
really a big turning point for us because then we could ask really for uh, larger donations because people could get that tax write-off, which makes a big difference when you're, you know, you're asking for that kind of money. Um, and I think that, you know, in the, in the beginning, people knew that, you know, um, that both Julie and I were really hard workers and that we would stay with whatever we started and, and that we were determined to get this done. And so I think that, you know, helped us to bring in the first, uh, the first funds. And then, you know, you become, you start to get a little success. We started doing lots of film festivals and then, you know, I would just be talking about the film to people and they would say, Oh, well, you know, I'd like to join you on this, you know, project. And so, um, it was it was uh, an ongoing process, and I think that's the thing that I would you know tell especially new filmmakers starting out is that you start raising money early, get a fiscal sponsor right away, and realize that you're probably going to have to continue to raise money throughout your project um, because the the expenses continue to build, especially the more successful you are. Yes. And you've got to realize that when you finish the film, then that's only half of it. Next is the distribution, right? Yes, correct. Well, thank you. Yes. Get get, uh, recognized early on that get with a um, a fiscal sponsor for many reasons, but it also gives you credibility with your donors, I I find. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we we did do some grant writing as well. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Julie. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that we, we did do um, apply for some grants. And the other thing that, that we did that I think was exciting for people to so they could be a part of the film was we started um, having people that donated a certain amount of money would become fiddling fans and would have yeah. a credit in the film. Oh, how great. Yeah, so we had different levels that people could donate, and they could be higher up in the credits depending on how much money they contributed. And a lot of people just want to see their name on screen. And often the credit is an easy way to, you know, to to be able to do something for your donors. Um, So that was really helpful. Yes, Yes, and a film like that with no shelf life, I mean, no end to a shelf life, it's a permanent product. Anybody would like to have it for, for the their grandchildren and on down the line. Right. Well, when you first started, um, you had to identify your market, uh, and since uh, um, – Vicki, you're you're the one with the background in marketing. So tell me how you identified your market and started with your background uh, in marketing and created your social networking. Sure. Um, we originally thought that our audience, you know, would be primarily people who like this kind of music, and so that was an easy sort of first place to, to start. Um, what we've discovered since then is that. Um, anyone who likes music at all really um, can resonate with this film. And so we've, we've expanded, but we started with a Facebook page and, and we did that um, immediately, you know, as soon as we started making the film. And one of the first things that um, we posted was a little video of some of the kids just jamming in the campground. And that video alone garnered almost 2 million views. Oh, and that, no. and it was, 
it was amazing to us because we're able to see where these people are from that are, you know, watching and liking um, the video. And they were from all over the world. I mean, from Turkey and Japan and Australia and New Zealand and Israel and, you know, all over Europe. And that really made us realize that we have, you know, an international audience that, will love this film and India. I mean, I was amazed at the number of people from <laughs> India who yes. loved Wonderful. this video. Mm-hmm. And so um, we just, you know, we started building uh, primarily on Facebook. That was what we were, you know, really more familiar with at the time. And because we also were noticing that our, you know, the majority of the people really coming to the film early on at festivals were older and the older generation is more comfortable with Facebook. It's been around longer. Um, the young kids have sort of gravitated away from it, probably because of the older people who've come into it now. But it's a really great tool. And um, and because I, I had never made a film before, one of the first things that I did was order a couple of books on, uh, you know, how, how to do this. One was John Reese's book, Think Outside the Box. And... Um, a couple of other ones, and and that really gave me um, a good sort of starting point uh, for building our audience on social media. And I think, you know, one of the things that, a couple of things that are important is that, you know, people really want to see videos, and that's what they'll stop and watch and pay attention to. And so we spent a lot of time scouring, you know, other sites and finding things that were uh, related to our film. If we didn't have new material ourselves, because you want to keep the audience engaged and you want to provide them something new at least once a week um, without overwhelming them. And we've now, we now have more than 24,000 followers on Facebook, which for a small little film like ours, you know, has been really great. And that's, that's where we've gone to, even as we've started the distribution models, is to tap into those people because that's, they help us spread the word and they've helped us fill the seat the theaters during our distribution. Right. Wow. Uh, 24,000 on Facebook. That's quite an achievement. So, all right, then let's get into uh, the distribution because I understand <laughs> that you've screened in uh, over 45 cities. So the, uh, the distributor helped you create the distribution plan, right? Yeah, yes, that's right. Our, we, distribute, yeah, our distributor, Utopia, had, had come on and had a plan to do what they called a fiddling tour, which was sort of a, a new idea um, and, and a, a bit of a different concept. It was uh, basically to have these one-night screenings with talent coming in and performing and then a Q&A following the film in certain cities. And it was interesting because the plan was initially to be in eight to ten cities. But what started happening was that the film was selling out for these one-night events, and so they were holding us over. And then we started getting requests from other cities uh, with doing one-week screenings, and then some of these started uh, getting held over. And it suddenly turned into close to 50 cities and there I don't know there seems to be this sort of grassroots following of the film but this was sort of a, a, a new way of doing things instead of putting a film 
in a, a city for a week uh, where maybe it only you would only have uh, I don't know let's say a hundred people come if you could get all of those people there in one night you're making the same amount of money as you would in a week long screening and so that Utopia our distributor um, is was trying this this sort of new way of marketing the film and it worked really well for us because we did end up being in multiple cities with really mm-hmm. initially a plan to be in only a few. And financially, yeah, would, you're happy with the <clears throat> income that you're making? Um, we think so far we're doing pretty well. Um, the distributor's really happy um, with how uh, the film did. in the, And I, I think it's actually close to 60 cities now that, that we screened in um, starting in late August. And, um, you know, selling out many of those. And in some cities, we were held over as long as four weeks um, because more and more people kept coming. So, and and since then, we've also now released on um, Amazon and Apple TV um, here in the U.S. And we've stayed, uh, you know, in the, in the first few weeks, we were really in the, in the top 10 to 15 in the top documentaries. Um, category on Apple TV, and we were in the top five for top music documentaries for the first couple of weeks. So um, the distributors are really happy. Um, they are, of course, spending a lot of money to help market the film as our distributor now. And um, so we, we're really happy with how things are going, and, um, and we hope that that will continue. We actually just um, learned yesterday that we've, we were now being released in several international um, territories. Uh, Amazon is offering Fiddlin' in the UK, and Apple TV is offering it in the UK and Ireland, Israel, Africa, the Philippines, Eastern Europe, Belgium, Greece, Cyprus, Portugal, and the Caribbean, with more cities to follow. So our goal of reaching, of putting this out across the world is is starting to come to fruition, and um, so we're really excited about how things are going, and we're very happy with our distributor. Yeah, and one thing I'd that like to yeah, wonderful. yeah, one thing I'd like to add, Carol, is that Vicky and I we really wore so many hats doing this film because it is our first film, and maybe because we were a little naive. I mean, we were we were asking people for things, doing things, getting favors. Uh, there was sort of no fear. And it, we were just kind of, you know. And, 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 and no shame. You didn't know that you couldn't do it. You didn't know that you couldn't do it. So you did it. We did, that is right. We had no idea that we couldn't do it. And when there was an obstacle, we just would try everything to jump over it. And, I mean, we just sort of got into a flow with things, with this film. I mean, even with the talent in the film, the the main kid, Presley Barker, who's 11 years old, I literally was walking through the grounds at the Fiddler's Convention and almost tripped over him and looked down, saw this little kid playing the guitar, and he looked up with his cute, freckly face, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's adorable. And I said, "Are are you here with your parents? Because I'd like to talk to them about having you in our documentary. And he became the central figure in the film. And it was one of those things that throughout the whole process, it was just like we got into this flow of really positive things happening. 
And when we, we did run into something, we just kept going and, and things would work out. And before we had the distributor, Vicki and I were so used to doing everything that when they came on and started helping with things, we were, we were still trying to do too much. And then we suddenly realized, oh, okay, we still need to do as much as we can, but we can also relax We've got a some help bit. now. <laughs> yes, yes, you had professionals in there to show you the way. But you, you did. You cut a unique path in the uh, creativity for us with the way you're screening your film because it worked, you see. So that will, uh, uh, this news will go travel to other filmmakers and particularly those with music or any product that can be shown on the stage as well as mm-hmm. on the film, too. That's brilliant. Well, and it really, I think, helped um, people get more excited about not only coming to the screenings, but being able to meet some of the talent after the screenings. And then they are more likely to go out and tell their friends. And so it certainly helps, you know, with the whole word of mouth um, method that it, we have heavily relied on. Um, so it was definitely, it was a great, great idea. So would they, uh, the distributor would fly in some of the talent to the various cities? Yes, yes. yes they, they, we started out doing that for the first for the first several, we did it pretty much exclusively. But when we started getting requests to be in all these different cities, it just wasn't possible to have talent or to have Vicky, Vicky or I there for um, a Q and A afterwards. So, but then the film started doing well on its own, whether we had it as an event or not. But we did start out with with events, and we have uh, one particular person, Martha Spencer, who came to a lot of them. Martha plays six or seven instruments by ear, and she's a champion flatfoot dancer. So she would come in and sing and dance, and the audience would get really involved in these events. And, you know, it's, it's that thing with music and dancing, getting people excited and we would do that after the screenings, and it worked really well. Oh, my gosh. Tell and me, in, this in Flatfoot Dancing, oh, it's not it really been released in theaters yet, right? Uh, yes, the, the film has been released in theaters. Is okay. that what you're asking? Yes, yes we, did, we did our theatrical tour this fall. And, and what I was going to add was that in some of the cities that we showed in, if we couldn't get talent there, the theaters would find local bluegrass musicians to come in and also play. And so oh, they great. also picked up on that whole concept of, you know, wow, this is a great way to sell more tickets and to get more people uh, to come to the theater. So oh, that's to add that. You know, when I watched the film, what I found was that it reminded me of the Irish dances. I wonder if a lot of the people that landed came over from Ireland, that many of your ancestors are Irish. Yes, that's part Julie, of you want to take that? what. Yeah, well, that's part of what we even talk about a little bit in the film is that uh, the the settlers were coming over from Scotland and Ireland, and they were bringing their dancing with them. They were bringing their instruments, and then you had um, the the Africans coming in. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the, originally the slaves, and they were bringing what was like a banjo and and. Uh, people had these instruments, the banjos, the fiddles, the, and, and this music 
you know, all was like in this melting pot. And it, that was sort of the start of this old time music, which became bluegrass music. And then bluegrass music sort of evolved into country music and jazz. And, and then that went on to be rock and roll. But the old time music is the oldest music in, uh, in the United States. And it started there in the, the, the Appalachian Mountains. And then we had this dancing, which is like the Irish dancing um, that uh, that a, a lot of the people there did for you know fun and entertainment. They played this music and they danced to it, and and they're still doing it, which is what's really cool. And I think this is a culture that a lot of people aren't familiar with, and we we wanted to introduce it to those that weren't. Exactly. Well, obviously you've done a really good job. So tell me, I understand, I saw your uh, film listed on a, a list of potential Academy Award nominees. I think it was 50, a list of 50 names, and you were on there. So you are running for Academy Award, or how does that work? Yeah, well, we feel very honored for our film to even be on that the Academy qualifying list. I mean, this was a it's a huge deal for us and for the musicians who gave their time. But we also know that there's very little chance that we will go further in the running um, because it will go down to a short list of 15 people or 15 films and then eventually down to five. And uh, even though we've been listed in a lot of the articles, uh, there are 159 different films, but fortunately we've made the list of, of, you know, some of them that only list 50 to 70 of them. Um, but there are enormous budgets um, of PR and marketing behind a number of these contenders. And, uh, you know, this is not a campaign that our little film could afford to do. And our distributor, though, we have one. They're a new distributor. And, you know, they, they weren't in a position to put substantial dollars behind us. It just doesn't make sense for them at that time. So we don't really expect to go further, but um, we're excited that we're on that list, and, you know, there's probably like a, a 1% chance that we would be in the 15, but, but we, are, we are happy to be there. Well, just getting in this uh, short list is an incredible achievement for your first film. I mean, that's wonderful. You should be very proud. So <laughs> what, what is the next film? What are you guys thinking of now? Well, um, with with Fidlin, because of the fact that it's got this mentoring, the music, the dancing, and and just so many components, uh, there there is a chance to to make this possibly into a musical or even to do a show about bluegrass kids. So Vicky and I have uh, we're having some discussions uh, with other people about uh, keeping Fidlin going, Fidlin on. Um, uh-huh. But I'm I'm also I've also written a TV pilot uh, with one of our associate producers from the film that is being looked at by a, a few people right now. It's a comedy that deals with uh, a matriarchy run amok with some singing thrown in and some great roles for older women. It's something that's sort of timely and fun. And uh, I also have a narrative uh, feature script idea that I'm working on. But uh, Vicky and I plan to. Uh, you know, to explore more options even with Fidlin. Oh, I think you should. Um, one of the films that won our um, grant uh, uh, is going into a stage play. 
so uh, it is not uh, it can't it has it is in the works it is happening and you would be perfect for a stage play it's perfect mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we think so too and and a lot of people that see the film want more you know they they just they, we get people asking well you know we, we want to see more of these people you know we, we want to see what they're doing now and uh, so um, there are a lot of you know, potential opportunities out there. And it's just a matter of, you know, sitting down and, and figuring out our game plan. Absolutely right. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun for both of you. Um, well, so what is the next plan for distribution? Now that you're online uh, and streaming, uh, and it's mm-hmm. foreign. I guess you're going to keep focusing on foreign? We'll keep focusing on forum, but we're also going to be releasing it on a DVD, and um, we should be announcing pretty soon what that release date is going to be. We've been working on the final technical details for that, and um, and we, we've gotten a lot of requests, particularly from all of these followers on Facebook who, who really want to have a hard copy, and they want to be able to have this film forever. And, um, and so I think that's going to be an exciting next step for us. And um, the distribution team at Utopia is, you know, we have a, a great sales um, person that is, is still trying to find other opportunities and avenues for, for Fiddlin' to be seen. So the world is our oyster, I hope, at this point, and, and we hope to see it in a lot more places. Oh, I'm sure it belongs in the educational market and the school market. Yes. I hope. Yes, absolutely. We've had a lot of people at the festivals bring that up and say this should really be in the schools. It's something that mm-hmm. future generations should see. Yes. One thing uh, I'd like to add, and one thing I'd like to add, Carol, is we could not have done this movie without the talent. These people were so generous in, in, in sharing their talents, opening their homes to us. And I feel like Dory Freeman, who's a part of our film with her father and her grandfather, her grandfather just put his first album out at the age of 87. <laughs> and this is great. which is amazing. And, and Dory, who's an incredible talent, has been written up in, in uh, Rolling Stone in New York, the New York Times as a talent to watch, has come out with her third album. Uh, so many of our, our, our talent, even though they live in, you know, this area in the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Appalachian Mountain area, they're, they're just waiting to be plucked from those mountains into into um, stardom, I think. And so there is the possibility of just following some of these people in the, in the future and, and what they're doing because we, just, we found so much talent there. Oh, how exciting. I'm just thrilled with the way your whole film worked out. And congratulations. Obviously, the two of you will work really well together, so I guess you're going to stay working on the future projects. Yes. Well, I hope so. Yeah. The, the great thing, people would ask us often, you know, as sisters, you know, was that difficult? Did you, you know, butt heads or was it hard to work with your sister? And it was actually pretty amazing. We we found that we worked really well together and uh, we kind of, you know, bring our own different skill sets to the table and and we love and respect each other. And that makes for a great working partnership. And you have the same vision. That's the key. Exactly. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I can say there's and there's this sort of unspoken language that happens when you know someone your entire life and you start thinking in the same direction, you start finishing each other's sentences and thoughts and and we really fortunately had the same vision right from the beginning and that made all the difference. Well, let's hope that the universe has an even greater vision than what you had <laughs> and that they will take this much further than you ever imagined. Thank well, we you, hope Carol. so. We've we've honestly come so far already that it's it's been um, it, it's been a dream, you know, the whole project has, and we're just thrilled with um, with where we are now, and and hope for you know the best to come. For the best to come, right? Same here. Mm-hmm. We all send you lots of good luck and blessings to continue being successful with this film and with the whole concept behind the film families and music and joy Um, Mm -hmm. so thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate the information you've shared with us thank Thank you Carol we really appreciate you having us okay so Mm -hmm. best of luck thank you Uh bye okay Erin be well now in its second edition Carol Dean's popular book The Art of Film Funding has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer how to make an ask for money create your story structure and your trailer legal advice fair use successful crowdfunding how to ask for music rights and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>